0: You're listening to episode number nine of the Great American Folk Show, a little place in this space that celebrates the craft and community of art and the people who make it. Number nine, number nine, number nine, and that spooky-sounding interlude is courtesy of producer
1: Eric (laughs) Dethridge. Well, and the Fab Four and George Martin, of course, but but I can never let a good odd numeral go unnoticed. Tom, there's uh, there's also Dolly.
2: Out to
1: be nine. And while not a lyric in the song, there's Emerson Lincoln Palmer's Carn Evil 9. I mean, come on.
0: So come on and enjoy the show. And we're going to start it <laughs> off with Chicago indie band Fran and a session from Frontwoman. Maria Jacobson will start with a song called So Long.
3: Great American Folk Show. Um, My name is Maria. My project is called Fran. I'm the singer-songwriter, you might say. I just wanted to talk a little bit about this moment that we're in. I'm using kind of my mic that picks up a lot of stuff so you might hear the birdies outside, maybe a siren. A big theme in my album, Leaving, which came out in January, is, I guess, dealing with climate change uh, in, a, in sort of a personal way, in sort of a day-to-day way. And with the IPCC report coming out and it sort of sounding the alarm of a last call for sweeping change in a pretty um, fossil-fuel-addicted world. Uh, It can feel very hopeless, and so it's sort of hard to find the balance of how do you just live your day-to-day life with this knowledge. And I think, yeah, my album sort of explores that, and especially the song called The Label, which sort of rides that line of the despair of and this and the grief of the loss of the world as we understood it, but also kind of being able to notice the sacred moments that we still can find in nature. And for me, that was in my hometown of Chicago, kind of walking around during quarantine, going on solo walks at different times of day and just sort of taking in what I could and uh, relishing in the, the quiet and the natural beauty that even cities have to offer. So thanks for listening.
2: sticky to search.
0: Maria Jacobson, front woman of Chicago indie band Fran. Fran with an F. Okay, and check this out the next band that we've got, English folk pop duo who was signed to Island Records. Hey, it's another band that starts with an F. This one is called Flight.
4: So we've been thinking about happiness and writing and the combination of the two things. And are they adversaries? Do they battle each other? The, The notion of comfort and happiness and a good song um, or a good writer. And in the past we've prospered from difficult times and, and sad themes and we've been cursed recently with good healthy relationships and um, I think well worked out, kind of life balances. And uh, I even remember talking to my dad and telling him I was feeling good, feeling happy. He kind of went, oh dear. That's bad news, isn't it? I mean, you're a writer and what what are you going to do about that? And um, I guess I think in a state of defiance or a kind of willingness to prove ourselves wrong or the notion that happiness is is the enemy of of good writing, prove that wrong as it should be proved wrong. We've tried to write many a song in the realm of the comfortable and the um, good relationship can be a good song and um, a song that I can play now. It started with uh, the idea of writing a, a wedding vow, something you might say to someone. It began as a little poem, and it's and it's, and it's called Even on Bad Days, and uh, we put it to music now. It's not a song that's um, yet out, but it will be later in the year. But this is our sort of meditation on that. Here we go. <laughs>
5: days The phones are gonna ring Even on bad days The world is gonna spin Our arms are gonna cradle Our hips are gonna kiss And around the table we will sway And slowly swing And never miss Even on bad days Gonna kick, kicking old habits and catching up quick. That we miss communications about what we're in it for. But we'll wake up in the same bed always and nevermore. Even on bad days, the sin is still a sin. Even on bad days, we'll know where we've been, the locks are gonna change, and the roads are gonna jam, and we'll go to see my father, and he won't know who I am. No on bad
4: This is a song that we wrote when we were last traveling around America and um, after a bit of a a bad year in the UK and a breakup record called This Is Really Going To Hurt, uh, this song was written and put on at the end of that record, inspired by our travels as a sort of positive question mark.
5: It's just America Smile for the camera I think we're gonna make it this time think we're gonna do fine Where do
0: American from English folk duo Flight, Will Taylor joined us, and w- what a interesting uh, band that Flight is, and the songs that they make. They they've kind of dabbled in the dark stuff, and they've gone to the light stuff. I think being from England, you can't help but be influenced by the Brontes and uh, by Shakespeare and. I think there's a lot of that. I think they play with a lot of that in their music.
1: Bronte, I mean, of course, in the English Moors and and Yorkshire and things like that. I mean, I I actually live there. It's pretty rugged. You know exactly what that's all about. yeah, absolutely. So playing a darkness and light is a very sort of uh, English thing, and I know that uh, Flight were we're pretty dark as far as like relationship breakup type songs, and I think now uh, even the one you heard live was uh, more, uh, almost sort of a a sweet wedding vow, if you will, but still a tinge of dark underneath of it. And I, I'm always drawn to the darkness and the light of uh, folk pop music and Flight does it pretty well.
0: Well, I am too. As you heard Will talk about, uh, he had this conversation with his dad and his dad was saying, you know, what are you going to do now that you're writing those kinds of songs that you're writing kind of the lighter songs? And uh, yeah, I mean, what do you do? I mean, art is just so impacted uh, by relationships or lack of a relationship. I think eventually uh, the darkness will. Always prevail. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's what happens in music, isn't it? That's, it seems to. I don't know why we're drawn to that. I have no maybe idea. Maybe that explains the true crime genres on TV. I it's don't got know. to. It's got to be part of it. That's Right, yeah. So, you know, I've always been tickled, Tom, by our next guest, Jim White's bio. <laughs> I've seen this over the years. Used to spin some of his records. It says he's been a ditch digger a suntan oil salesman, a landscaper, a dishwasher, a fry cook, and here's my favorite part, a fashion model, a fashion photographer, a professional surfer, and one thing we do know is true, a New York City cab driver. Tom, I and your fans have known that you have had just one job in your life, right? Singer, songwriter, professional, touring and recording, musician, okay, that's two, maybe three, if you count radio, and podcast host, four and five, but... I have to ask you. I'm sure you've had a life before you picked up a guitar, or maybe concurrently at the same time. What is the oddest job you ever had? um, Immediately, I just think of all the coffee shops where I worked. Oh yeah,
0: were were you a barista? I was a barista, and I took out the garbage. Oh, I was so good.
1: Were you too generous? I was good.
0: I, I mean, you know, Did you give it's too many like, shots. Remember uh... that movie Mannequin with, yeah, uh, what's with his Kennedy name? Control and, uh, yeah, exactly. Who's the guy in that movie? Um, uh, um, um, Andrew McCarthy. Andrew McCarthy. Yeah. He's, he works at a pizza place. Yeah. And they fire him because he's making these pizzas like, like artwork. They're beautiful. <laughs> Every pepperoni is set just perfectly. Did you
1: make little smiley faces
0: in the fire? I just thought, or... uh, yeah, it took me so long because I wanted to make sure that, you know, the espresso was perfect. <laughs> but no, my, my hottest job is, um, Okay, so when I was first doing music, living in Los Angeles, barely making any money, I was trying to figure out how I could, you know, get a flexible job, and that's very difficult to do. People end up just getting really creative. Somebody eventually told me that, you know what you should do is um, you should meet here at this address at this time and, and see if this is for you. Stand in line And they're going to usher you in as an audience to some of these TV shows and daytime TV shows.
1: Oh, you're in the studio audience. You're in the studio audience. And you can
0: actually hit a couple of those every day. You pay for it? Yeah, you you make a little, not a whole lot, but (laughs) enough if you really scrimped it and saved you could kind of make do with that. Wow. And so for, you know, a number of months, I don't know how long it was. I'd probably say it was like at least a year. That's what I did.
1: Okay, so who did you see? What shows did you witness?
0: I can't, I can't remember half of them because uh, they're all off the air probably now or they were <laughs> local and I didn't even care. Uh-huh. But one of them was uh, uh, Miller. Um, what's his name? Uh, the Comedian. Not Dave uh, Miller. Oh, Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller. How Dennis could I forget Miller, his name? Did yeah. did the,
1: the Weekend Update on did SNL. the Weekend Update. Yeah,
0: that's the guy. And yeah. he had, I think it was just the Dennis Miller show. Yeah, right. Remember when yeah, he had the theme yeah. song, Everybody. You mean when
1: he had the talk show. Everybody Wants to Rule the World, and yeah. he, had, he had the talk show on, and you well, were in the audience. was
0: in the audience.
1: Wow. Yeah. And it was a learning experience for sure, and... uh you know, there, there
0: was very little that they asked of you. I mean, you had to have your hair combed and you had to wear nice clothing. Yeah, and sometimes wait, well, on, it would well, pair well, you well, up well, with people. Hold
1: on. you To be in the studio audience, they insisted that you comb your hair? A lot of people, I, these are artists, you you know, that,
0: and <laughs> not that artists don't comb their hair. But, I mean, you know, it's kind of like you're taking a step out of your own skin and putting on a costume and you have to kind of look the part of an audience member, and I think that was a requirement. If there yeah. was a requirement that you had to, you had
1: to be presentable. Huh. I remember uh, being in the audience for a David Letterman show at the at the uh, Ed Sullivan Theater, and all I remember about that <laughs> was they, they wanted you to clap. Be enthusiastic, even if the joke was dumb, just to make the host feel good. I I guess that's sort of a thing. Like you have to like be on cue to to clap. They have the sign, of course, applesauce. If you remember the Gary Shandling, Gary Sanders show starring Gary Shandling and Rip Torn, uh, that was the cue. So did you have something like that too with uh, Dennis? I No, I don't think so, but yeah. I think he just was naturally
0: funny anyway, and everybody was really, you know, into it, but, but I can't remember the other, the other shows were just kind of like really, really generic. There wasn't a whole lot of um, requirement on like audience participation or right. anything like
1: that. Well, you got enough pocket change to, you know, go afford a <laughs> latte at the place you used to work. <laughs> oh my gosh. I
0: was, you know, talking about just odd jobs, that was just one of those odd jobs. You know, it's funny hearing you talk about like the things that Jim White done in his life and that's pretty eclectic, being a model to driving a cab, being a surfer. When I saw him once on stage, he talked about working in a health food restaurant in New York. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Tom Waits walked in the door. Oh, and no. he knew it was
1: Tom Waits. Tom Waits at a health food joint. And that's what he thought was so bizarre. Yeah, and, because this guy whose voice is like whiskey, you know, and cigarettes and, and not even the filtered kind. That's what he sounds like. You, you wouldn't ex- be expected to conscious. see. Tom Waits a no, at a health food store, but you probably would at a junk store. I didn't say the piano <laughs> was drinking like uh, a smoothie with uh, <laughs> right. almond butter and uh, whatever they put in there. Well, you yeah. know
0: the world is really turned upside down when Tom Waits comes up with a song like that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt.
0: <laughs> but he said Tom Waits uh, studied the menu uh, board and made some sort of grunt and then turned out and and walked out the door. So it's possible that Tom Waits just happened to, like, you know, walk in there. He wasn't about to order anything. Now
1: he's playing on brand. Okay, good. Tom Waits (laughs) is not some yoga-conscious guru. He can't be. He's Tom Waits. He's going back to the bar. (laughs) Uh,
0: Exactly. He's going to go back to the dark bar.
1: (laughs) Well, Well, Jim White, I mean, you've had a lot of uh, contact with him over the years quite a character of course uh you know he 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 almost kind of resembles david byrne uh physically and just sort of the way he talks he's very conversational and he has he has a lot of stories a lot of thoughts he was on david byrne's label too yeah he was i have never been able to pronounce that record label lakabop or lakabop i'm not sure great
0: label yeah and yeah as you know his first record was on there searching for the wrong eye jesus about the time that they put out a conversation disc it was David Byrne and Jim White talking about things I listened to that over and over again in part because I had really no idea what some of these words were that they were like putting out there these were definitely (laughs) a meeting of the minds on this on this conversation disc but you could get some of those conversation discs at that time they were doing some of those recordings to kind of they would be companions to the actual record or, or whatever but just a really brilliant man. I haven't met too many people who've made that connection. That they do. They kind of look like David Byrne. And Jim I White. always
1: thought that the first album photo that I saw of Jim White, I thought like. Wow, that really looks like David.
0: I wonder if that's one of the things that drew each other together. Yeah,
1: he's kind of like a, a space cowboy, cosmic adventurer kind of guy, Jim White is. And not to mention, he writes nice books and he makes great music, too. Great. All around really, really interesting guy. Very philosophical guy. And you had a conversation with Jim White not that many moons ago.
0: Jim White is a musician and a storyteller and a songwriter. He's released several albums over the past 20 years. He was nearly 40 years old when he decided to jump into music. He's enjoyed a successful career, much adoration from his fans and positive attention from his critics, though. I'm sure it hasn't all been easy. Being a professional musician never is. On a side note, if you're listening now and you want to do music, but you think it's too late or you think it's going to be too hard, it's not too late. And I promise you, it won't be that hard. All you got to do is do it. If Jim White can do it, then you can too. If I can do it, you can do it. And if you stick with it, you'll find your audience and you'll develop the good grit along the way to get you there and to keep you there. On the show today, you'll hear a live session from Jim White. He'll perform songs Reason to Cry, A Perfect Day for Chasing Tornadoes, and I just love that song, and Plywood Superman. I've known Jim a long time, and when we get the chance to catch up, it's always special but I'm reminded that no matter what in this world. Well, it's kind of like what Tom Reagan said in the Coen Brothers movie Miller's Crossing. Nobody knows anybody not that well. Jim White is kind of just his own planet. Or like a wanderer who comes over to warm up his feet in front of the electric heater before he's off again. But his impression will always last, and I know you will enjoy what you hear today. Jim is on his phone in Florida, and I'm on my phone, actually in a barn in the middle of the prairie. Let's go to that conversation now with the one and only Jim White. On the
2: radio.
0: So Marconi in, in,
6: invented the radio. Well, he, he discovered radio waves, and, and he took the information to the Italian government, uh, thinking that it would be a, a fantastic military weapon. And they put him in the Langera Mental Institution because they said he was crazy. <laughs>
7: <laughs> and that was a hundred years ago. Oh man, can you imagine? Yeah, ah, uh, and, no. and then
6: they finally figured out that it actually was
7: true, and then they let him out.
2: <laughs> Gosh, uh, it's
7: good to hear your voice, Jim. Likewise, um, it it has been a long time. It seems.
6: I, I was trying to think when the last time you and I were in the same room together, and it's got to be like ten years at least.
7: I was thinking that it was that time that we shared the bill at McCabe's, and that that was. That's been, when it
6: was. Yeah, it was like 2015, so seven years.
7: Well, actually, leading up to that show, you sent me that song. We well, sent me a few songs, but Reason to Cry was one of them. While
8: walking to church one Sunday morning Neath the drizzle of a cold November sky From far away in the woods I heard A wailing as though someone had died I followed that voice Past alder and oak To where strewn like a rectal on the ground I found a young woman unknown to these parts And from her lips came that terrible sound In her wailing she heard not a word
5: I said
8: when i asked her the cause of her pain and so after a while i just left her lying there all alone in them woods in that rain i figured she might just have good reason to cry she might just have good reason to cry For when trouble comes a calling, in the blinking of an eye You might just have a good reason to cry Well, I hurried on up to the church house Where my preacher, he had just begun to sing That old hymn my sweet mama always sang to me Before the Lord took her away from us last spring When I opened my mouth to join that joyous choir Come sailing out from somewhere deep within Came the mournful wailing of that forlorn maiden Not the comforting words to the hymn Well my neighbors they looked around and wondered I looked back at them with baleful teary eyes I wanted to join in and just sing that happy song, but I couldn't, for I'd sadly realized I might just have good reason to cry. I might just have good reason to cry. For when trouble comes call in the blinking of an eye, you might just have a good reason to cry. my church folk they gathered all around me they laid hands on me and prayed for my soul but I pushed them away and I fled that dreadful place swearing never more to church would I go these days I walk among the alders like that heartbroken maiden in the rain Yes, I wander these woods, just wailing my lament to the tune of that old hymn my mama sang. And my neighbors these days they mostly shun me as they walk by on their way to pray and sing. And though I envy them the bliss of their devotion, I fear one day too that they'll feel sorrow's sting. We've all got a good reason to cry We've all got a good reason to cry For this life's a train of sorrows One's to come, one's gone by So it's just a matter of time Before we all find our good reason to cry
0: If you're just joining us, I'm Tom Brousseau, and You're listening to The Great American Folk Show. And we're talking with acclaimed musician Jim White. You just heard him doing a live version of one of his songs entitled Reasons to Cry. Not too long ago, I had Jim White on the telephone. And let's return to that phone conversation now. And we're going to cut in right when I ask him about his time in the great city of New York City.
7: You
6: lived in New York for a while. About 13 years, yeah. I mean, uh, I was running away from the South. I was running away from Pentecostal Christianity and crazy drug addict friends and ghost-haunted girlfriends. And I just felt like i got to go someplace where the exterior environment feels like it meets the interior environment. Like the South, everything kind of comes at you sort of insidiously. Whereas in New York, it just slaps you in the face every day. I'm just like, pooh. Poo. Wake up, you're in New York. I felt awake and alive and connected in a way that I'd never felt before. And interestingly enough, my my, uh, now 23-year-old daughter, she's always had troubles. She never did much with school. She hated school, dropped out, led a rambling kind of life. She just moved to New York, and and she's thriving and loves it because she said the same exact things. It's a city that has the same energy as what's going on deep inside of her, her, her psyche. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I was quite liberated when I got to New York. Uh, I drove a cab there. Like a year of driving a cab's like dog years. It's like it's like 20 years of normal living. And I drove mm-hmm. a cab for about 12 years there. So I lived long enough to know a lot of stuff that was really helpful and yeah. you know, getting free of all of the stuff that was messing with my mind.
7: So when you were driving a cab, you did this for 12 years in New York City. Were you writing songs? Were you performing? Were you doing all of that as well, Jim?
6: oh no no i started playing guitar when i was 18 i broke my leg twice in one year and couldn't walk for a year and i'm, I'm like super hyper and athletic and uh, all of a sudden i couldn't walk for a year i mean it was a bad break and someone left a guitar at my house so i started writing songs because i couldn't figure out how to play smoke on the water you know <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like four quarters couldn't figure it out so it's like okay i'll make up my own and um uh, I wrote songs of my own, and then when I was 27, I'd, I'd written hundreds of songs by then. Uh, I got my hand caught in a dado saw. It's the worst saw to get your hand caught in. The doctor, when he saw my fingers, said, Whoa, you must have quick reflexes because you've still got fingers left. And that was a dado saw. So I stopped playing from 27 until about 37, and my fingers slowly healed, and I started to write one-finger songs and two-finger songs and then three-finger mm-hmm. songs and probably about 36 to 37 I had a nervous breakdown and ended up bedridden again and while I was bedridden I got guitar out and started writing songs. Uh, At that point uh, it felt like kind of like the party was over and I was going to be checking out of planet earth pretty soon. I was very 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 sick with uh, a, a malady that I later learned was called peritonitis. I went to the health clinic, the free health clinic, I had no money. I was $20,000 in debt, student loans. And I went to the health clinic and they gave me some penicillin and nothing happened. And then I got sicker and sicker and sicker. And for months I was going down and down. And while I was going down, I was thinking, okay, well, before I go, I want to write a few songs. I want to mm. say something from my heart to leave behind. And those are the songs that ended up on Wrong Eye Jesus.
8: Way down south I know a girl who is blind. She walks along, along, along lonely highway each day. She dreams that one day a man will pull up in a car, he'll open up the door, she'll climb in, he will say, You say hey babe. What you know Hope you're ready to go Cause today is a perfect day To chase tornadoes To chase tornadoes Yeah, when While wind whips around your head, you know, yes, you know, that you have found a perfect day. Yeah, 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 to chase some tornadoes. That preacher man on the run from the law. He killed a girl in Memphis and ran to the dogs, tracked him down. They shot him by the river as he lay dying in the mud. Someone asked, Hey, preacher, where's your soul going now? The preacher said, Well, I know, but wherever it is, I gladly go. Cause today is a perfect day to chase tornadoes, to chase tornadoes. Yeah, when the while wind whips around your head, you know, yes, you know, that you have found a perfect day. Yeah, 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 to chase tornadoes. Sometimes I think the sky is a prison And the earth is a grave Sometimes I feel like Jesus In some Chinese opera Sometimes I'm glad I built my mansion On crazy little stones But sometimes I feel so goddamn trapped If I ever think that i know And I wish it wasn't so, cause the only thing that anyone should ever know is that today is the perfect day, yeah, yeah, to chase a tornado. to chase a tornado. Yes, when the wild wind whips around your head You know, yes, you know That you have found a perfect day Yeah, 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 yeah To chase the tornadoes To chase some tornadoes
0: Jim White on the Great American Folk Show with a live version of A Perfect Day to Chase Tornadoes, just love the title of that, which appeared on his 1997 debut album, Wrong-Eyed Jesus. We returned to our phone conversation, in which I asked Jim about the time of his much-praised first record, in which all this pent-up creativity was finally bursting out.
6: Not only was it waiting to get out, the circumstances had to be right, and I had to be broken for it to come out. Mm. It would never Mm -hmm. come out so long as I was still functional. When I got to the point where I had to surrender and say, I give up, I can't make it anymore, then I will say some sort of grace descended on me. And I wouldn't write songs like that before the sickness hit me. I could tell when I wrote the first one, the first one I wrote, like that, was a perfect day to chase tornadoes, and I could tell after I finished writing it that something was, you know, some great seismic change had happened inside of me, uh, and you know, I assumed it was part of the sickness that I had. Who knows the cause and effect?
7: Your songs are so unique; it's hard for me to think of a question for you to to ask you. That would be a question that I might ask somebody else, which would be, what is your songwriting process? I'm just wondering what what it means to you. Coming
6: from someone who who I equally respect as a songwriter, I'm I'm, I'm grateful for your appraisal. Thank you. In terms of songwriting, uh, it was therapy, and it was also spiritual in that the step on wrong on Jesus was a cry to the universe saying, please listen, I have something, I have a gift that I want to offer the world. I kept trying as an artist to offer my gifts to the world and they the world did not want them <laughs> so that's tough because you feel like okay as an artist if the world does not want my gifts then there is no universality in what i am doing and if there is no universality in what i'm doing then this is some sort of you know self-flagellation basically your art form if it doesn't connect to a larger realm if it if it only appeals to you and two of your friends who live in their mom's basements then you know that that art form doesn't have the validity to something that connects more souls. But here's something interesting. When I was in, I went to NYU when I was in New York and I was in the film department and it was full of kind of like very cagey smart, like Eli Wallach's son was there and Cher's daughter was there and I had classes with Francis Ford Coppola's son and Bob Dylan's son and all this. and they are all these really sharp, kind of privileged kids and I didn't really like it there. So I went down to the photo department, and the photo department there, I met people that I could really understand. These were people that were interested in reportage and, and you know, digging deep into the fringes of society. And my best teacher there, she could see I was struggling with trying to find a way, and she told me this. It was like an allegory. She she t- told me about a friend of hers, and she didn't mention it in relation to me. She just mentioned it and put it in the air, because if you directed it at me, I would have contorted it in a terrible way. She's so smart. Her name's Elaine May. She's wonderful. She said, I had this friend who was a painter. She really painted terrible paintings when we were teenagers. And then she went to art school and she painted a different style of paintings and they were equally awful. At a certain point, I had to tell her that maybe she shouldn't be an artist. But she was undeterred and she tried another style and then other people started telling her that she shouldn't be an artist. And by the time... 20 years had passed, no one in her inner circle believed that she could be an artist ever because the things that she was painting were just, didn't make sense. And then after 20 years, one day she started painting extraordinary paintings. And when we saw them, we realized what she was doing all along was assembling this very elaborate vocabulary that she could not speak in that language until the vocabulary was complete. She had to find her way through all these different styles and representations and forms to finally get to the point where her dogged determination and her, I guess, surrender as well probably, delivered her to the place that she would belong. She finally belonged.
8: down at the drugstore where they sell medicine Back in the corner stands a plywood superman
2: He never saved
8: nobody from nothing He just leans against the wall Sad. Me, I go climbing on my broken ladders, aiming for high places, but I never quite can. Lay two hands on the heart of the matter. Sometimes I feel like that plug would Superman. night at the truck stop the cashier at the diesel desk she stopped to talk to me as I paid for my beer she's single with two kids says she loves Las Vegas and her dreams one day some rich man will take her away from here when she goes climbing on Broken ladder, she's searching for some sweet, far off promised land. But nobody never breaks free of nothing. Wrapped in the arms of a plywood, Superman. daddy he worked in a factory he used to beat on me with his mind not his hands and though for 10 years he's laid in that grave up in Birmingham to this day I still hear him saying what a useless thing I am When I go climbing on my broken ladder I'm looking for something what I don't understand is how I can climb forever and still Never reach nothing Trapped in my life like some plywood
5: Superman Oh
7: I, I want to thank you so much for this phone call. You've been a, a guide for me and a positive influence and inspiration, all of these things. Well, thanks. That's kind of
6: makes all that mess that I made feel a little more uh, reasonable. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> sometimes when you're making messes, you think that this ain't going to do nobody no good.
7: <laughs> well, be well, my friend, and until we meet again then. All right, yeah. brother. Take care.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and music with Jim White. What a true character in service of music. And that's our show. We'd like to thank our sponsors the Lorac family, the estate of Blair Flegel, Mincota Power Cooperative, and the John and Elaine Andrus Charitable Trust. With my partner here, Eric Dethridge. I'm Tom Bruce, So Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you on number 10.